Turning your Bible to Isaiah chapter 57, verse number 15. And uh, as you're turning or scrolling or tapping or whatever you're doing, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 57, verse number 15 simply says this. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I wonder if we could bow our heads and just open our open our minds and our spirits up to what God wants to do. There's a victory in this place tonight. I don't know if you feel that or not, but there's a victory in this room that God wants to bring to every person under the sound of my voice. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence that's been sweeping across this sanctuary. Lord, you are high and lifted up. Lord God, your train fills the temple. You've won victory after victory after victory. And you're not going to stop now. We give you glory as the victorious king. We give you glory as the victorious Lord, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, do what you will in me. I give you permission as my king to rule and reign in my heart today, to rule and reign in my mind today. You are my king, so let your kingdom come and let your will be done in earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Let it be accomplished in me according to your will, according to your plan. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for his work. You may be seated this, this evening. I'm so used to saying this afternoon, this evening. Um, so there, there are events in life, uh, some more frequent than others. Uh, that remind us of who we really are. That remind us who we really are. We can get all the education. We can achieve all of the accolades and great influence and affluence in society. We can, we can even achieve accolades from our sphere of influence, outside of our sphere of influence as we walk through this life. However, sometimes when we reach the pinnacle of our achievement, we come crashing down to reality when we do something really, really dumb. Anybody ever had a humbling experience? A humbling experience. I think we've all been there. And, uh, you know, the forehead smashed on the doorway of the car door there as you're getting in. Anybody ever done that one? You got your, you're going to take on this day. I'm going to conquer. Seize the day. Yes. I'm getting in the car. and Well, that's a good start. Uh, anybody ever been walking through the living room and just like bumped your toe on a piece of furniture that's been there for 20 years? <laughs> Who put that coffee table there? I did 20 years ago. Still hasn't moved. Anybody ever walked into a wall? That's like the topper for me. Like I'm like, that's humbling. I'm walking down the hallway and just bump into the corner and just almost takes you right out off your feet. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. Sometimes you're just tired. So whatever it is, you're in a hurry, just, just a humbling experience. Sometimes anybody ever missed a step at the end of a staircase? 
<laughs> just, whoom, down you go. <laughs> Hear a big boom, Dad, what was that? Nothing. Nothing at all. I didn't hear anything. Right. Uh, we've all been there. Humbling experiences. Now, these things are minor events, you know, unless, you know, if you stub your toe hard enough, that can lead to a trip to the emergency room uh, of a broken toe or something. But, but those are, on the whole, minor events, quickly forgotten, kind of laughed at, laughed off, just, oh, oh, my goodness, it's, oh, well, you know, I do, that happens. But other humbling experiences have deeper impacts in our lives. Humbling experiences such as a mistake in our younger years that sticks with us, perhaps for decades. A demeaning employer, a, a bankruptcy, a, a private sin that becomes public. So you don't dare show your face in society. The loss of a job, that, that's, that's a humbling experience. The loss of a loved one, that, that's a humbling experience. A, a lost relationship, something that, that you thought would last a lifetime lost to you. We've all stubbed our toe and experienced momentary humiliation, but we also all have had humbling experiences that left us broken and searching for answers. And life is played out in, 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 as we experience these things and we live our lives, we live our life in the arena, if you will, where, where all of this is played out in front of an audience of peers and of, of friends, of colleagues, of family members, uh, of those around us. And sometimes when we fall, the onlookers looking from the outside, they don't, they don't really know what's going on about the situation. They, they don't really understand what you're going through. They see a little bits and pieces from their perspective outside. But, but boy, do th does that crowd ever have an opinion? Does that crowd ever have an opinion? Like the arena in the Colosseum, the crowd cheering perhaps or jeering, uplifting or condemning, the emperor deciding who lives or who dies by, by a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And, and as an observer making all of these judgments and opinions and, and, and that, that we hear them chirping in our ear and, and the most obvious one of these onlookers is the enemy of our soul constantly chirping at us constantly jeering the accuser of the brethren telling us that you bet you fell in again you might as well not get back up you've been through a tough time where you might as well just throw in the towel and give up but he is the accuser of the brethren and he chirps at us and we've all been that man or woman in the arena that's that's where we've all been at some point in our lives maybe perhaps even this evening and on April 23rd, 1910, President Theodore, or better, better known as Teddy Roosevelt, gave one of his most impactful speeches after he had left office in 1909. In front of a crowd of approximately 3,000 people, he delivered a speech that is now widely referenced as the man in the arena. In addition to touching on his own family, history, war, human and property rights, and the responsibilities of citizenship, Francis' falling birthright, among other things, Roosevelt railed against cynics who looked down at men who were trying to make the world a better place. This is what he said. The poorest way to live life is to face it with a sneer. The poorest way to live life is to face it with a sneer. 
a cynical habit of thought and speech, a readiness to criticize work when the critic himself never tries to perform, an intellectual aloofness which will not accept contact with life's realities, all of these are marks not of superiority, but of weakness. And then he delivered an inspirational and impassioned message that drew a huge applause, and I will quote directly a couple of paragraphs here. It is not the critic who counts. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. He at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. The man in the arena. And whether Mr. Roosevelt meant to or not, his words echo those of Scripture The one that comes to mind, Psalm chapter 1, it's not on the screen, but I'll read it for you. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. I want to be in the arena of life, striving to achieve, striving to obtain, striving for the mark, striving for the word that God has given and delivered to us in this 21st century. I don't want to be a spectator in this last day. I want to be in the arena, participating, striving, working, not on the sidelines, scorning, but in the arena. I might fall sometimes. I might make a mistake sometimes, but at least I'm trying. At least I'm daring greatly. At least I'm striving valiantly for the cause, for the prize, for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I can't win on the sideline. I can't win sitting in the stands. The only way I can win this race, the only way I can fight this good fight of faith is to get my shield of faith, get my sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take on the whole armor of God and step into the arena of life and and say, devil, I'm here come at me. I've got everything I need to overcome. I've got everything I need to get victory. If you believe that, I wonder if you'd lift up a hand as a witness and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you're in the arena, just stand and fight. If you're in the arena, I know sometimes we might trip. We might, our, our eyes might fill with blood and sweat and tears. It's hard sometimes. It, the, the going gets rough sometimes, but you're guaranteed victory if you would just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and say, I'm ready to fight again. 
I'm ready to go to war again. I'm ready to reach for the lost again. I'm ready to do what God's called me to do again. Proverbs 24 verse 15 says it this way. Don't wait in ambush at the home of the godly. And don't raid the house where the godly live. The godly may trip seven times. But they don't stay with their face in the dirt. They will get back up again. There will be moments and seasons of life where we are the man or the woman in the arena whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who is striving valiantly. Yes, we might fall short. We might err. Who hasn't made mistakes? We've all fallen. We've all made mistakes. Who is dev Perhaps we, in the arena of life, we find ourselves devastated by a loss or a circumstance beyond our control. Sometimes we might fall short of reaching for that prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said it. He said in Romans chapter three that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God we we all fall short Sim simply sin is defined as missing the mark not lining up with God's standard of holiness and righteousness but sin is no excuse for picking ourselves up finding an altar of repentance and getting back up on our feet and saying I'm ready God I'm gonna do my best once more I'm gonna step into a place of salvation I'm gonna step into a place of deliverance don't let sin don't let any besetting sin keep you on the ground get back up dust yourself off repent and turn your life back to God because there's hope for you there's salvation for you there's redemption for you and so we might find ourselves face down in the arena, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We might be exhausted, wondering if we should try and face the challenge of another day. Wondering if we should try and pray for one more need that we haven't prayed for for a long time. Wondering if we should pick up that mantle again. Whether we should get up and try again. But the promise of the word of God comes to us like we read in Isaiah chapter 57 that thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy God says that I dwell in the high and holy place and he doesn't dwell in the high and holy place with high and holy people he dwells in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit and he has a purpose that he wants to release when we're face down in the arena of life his purpose is to revive us his purpose is to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones that's his purpose when we're face down in the arena not knowing if we can go on not not knowing if we can go one more day one more moment contriteness and humility is a place of divine power and authority and holiness you may feel like you're flat on your face completely spent of energy. I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we've all at some point over the past season have felt that way at some point. 
humbled, feeling like a failure. But when we find ourselves in that position, face down in the arena, we are never closer to God's majestic power and authority. If we will but say, God, I'm going to go again. I'm going to get back up again. The righteous fall seven times, but they rise up again. And we may fall. We may get worn out. We may get exhausted, but I'm not going to stay in a place of defeat. I'm not going to stay in a place of despair. I'm not going to stay in a place of, of depression and anxiety and fear. I'm getting back up and I'm going to rise again. I wish someone would get that in your spirit as the rest of this service unfolds. I will rise again. I will get back up. I might have been wounded. I might have been broken. I might have been abused. I might have been, been on the couch and just not able to move, not able to go to work, not able to get any sleep. I don't know where you've been at over the past little while, but the word of God is here and he said it's time to rise again. It's time to get up, to dust yourself off, to cling to the word of God and to live his word because he is going to bring revival for you. Our human nature and society equates appearance with favor. That's what our society does. Looking like you've got it all together. If you can look like you've got it all together, social media just makes a ton of money off of that. But the word of God equates humility with favor. When we humble ourselves before God, as we're doing in a season of sacrifice, as when we humble ourselves before God, there is incredible opportunity for revival. There's incredible opportunity for revival. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, you younger Listen up, young people. Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Submit yourselves to the spiritual authority in your life, whether it's your parents, whether it's your pastor. Submit yourselves. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. God actively fights against those who feel like they've got it all together. God actively resists those who are consumed with themselves. But God gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him because he careth for you. And when we're overwhelmed with life, when we're overwhelmed with circumstance, when we're overwhelmed and, and hearing the accuser of the brethren chirping in our ear, we must take all of our weariness. We must take all of our worry. We must take all of our concern and care and sin and we must bring it to God because he will exalt us in due time. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that when he was given a, a, a thorn in the flesh and he asked God, take it away, God said to him that my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The greatest strength that you can ever experience is when you are at your weakest point because your strength is so puny anyways compared to the strength of Almighty God coming into your situation, coming into your life. 
Therefore, I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I might feel exhausted, but God, that this is an opportunity for you to do what you do. I might feel broken, but God, it's an opportunity for you to heal. It's an opportunity for you to restore. I, I will rejoice. I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I might be dealing with a sickness, and I don't know why God hasn't healed me yet. That's what Paul was dealing with, but I'm going to walk through it with my head up and, and with, my, with my boots on. I'm not going to lay down in the arena and just give up. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to let the strength of God be my strength. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are weak, we are strong. If you feel exhausted today, if you, if you feel totally worn out, if you feel like you can't win, if you feel like there's no way out of this situation, it's when you're weak that you're strong if you give it to God. And I'm just a man in the arena today. I don't have all the answers. I'm with you, everybody here. We're all in this arena of life together. I don't have all the answers, but I trust God's strength. And if we humble ourselves, there's an exaltation that God's going to bring in us. There's an exalt. We can't get deluded and think we can do it in our own strength because the, the Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 16 that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Later on, he would write that a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit human logic associates palaces and position with power but divine logic equates humility with power and that's why the jews missed the first coming of their messiah because he came to a humble place he came to a place of humility to a humble town in a stable to as a child born to unmarried parents and micah the prophet prophesies about this and he talks about this humble place he says but thou bethlehem ephrathah you are only a small village you're so humble among all the people of judah yet a ruler of israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf and it was at his beginning he showed up in a humble place and as he rode into jerusalem in that final week of his earthly ministry he did not ride in on a stallion he did not ride in with armed guards he didn't ride in on 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 a, a, a carriage if you will but he came riding on a donkey because God's power resides in humble places and God's power resides in humble hearts. He does not come to the proud. He does not come to the high and lifted up ones. If you think that you don't need God, he's, he can't help you. He can't help you. But if you have a humility and a humbleness and a desire and an understanding that I can't figure this out, I can't do this on my own. There's no way I can figure out this situation. I've got good news for for you though you might feel the blood and the sweat and the tears marring your brow right now there is a divine power right there beside you he's right there and he wants to bring revival to you Isaiah the prophet goes on to write in Isaiah chapter 66 thus saith the Lord heaven is my throne earth is my footstool where is the house that you build unto me and where is the place of my rest for all those things I, my hand is made I've got everything I own everything 
But to this man will I look. I need God to look in my direction. I need God to look in my direction. I I can't do this without his help. I can't live this life without his help. To this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. And so tonight, as we come back to the music, we may be the man or woman in the arena. We might be in a place where we feel totally defeated, totally broken, unfixable. But if we will give the blood, the sweat, and the tears to God, then we will be amazed at what he does when we are humbled. Because there's always hope. There's always hope. In a prayer of repentance, the psalmist prayed it this way. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Another place he wrote, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And in Micah chapter 7, the prophet is bemoaning the sin that Israel is living in and he states, woe is me, Micah chapter 7, verse number 1, woe is me. Anybody ever felt like that? Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits as the grape gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth. There is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man, his brother, with a net that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The best of them is a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. You can't even trust in your friends in this time in Israel's history. You can't even trust those who are closest to you. Don't put confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of your mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies are the men of his own house. What a horrible situation Micah is living in in Israel at this point. But when I find myself face down in the arena, I will look unto the Lord. And I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Somebody needs to hear that tonight, that God will hear you when you pray. God hears every word that you pray. God will hear me and rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I don't know who in this room feels like you've fallen short. 
I don't know who in this room feels just totally worn out, whether it's what we're going through in society or whether it's just the, the regular goings on in life. You just feel like you've reached the end of your rope and you're lying face down in the arena and all, all of the effort and all of the prayer and all of the fasting and all of the reaching and all of the preaching feels like it's just wasted. I don't know if that's you in this room today, but rejoice not against me. Oh, mine enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. Don't stay down. Get back up. When you fall, don't stay on the ground. Get back up. As we stand this, this evening, you may be in that arena. You might be humbled. But when I think about falling and arising, I can't help but think of the cross. About how Jesus went up that hill called Golgotha and he, he, he was nailed in his hands and in his feet. And he, and he breathed his last and he poured out his blood, sweat, and tears in the arena. He could have just stayed out of the arena. He was the king of heaven and he was the king of earth, but he chose to enter the arena that we live in and the blood and the sweat and the tears. He sweat as it were great drops of blood for you and for me. He took a crown of thorns on his head and that blood flowed down his face for you and for me. He found himself face down in the dirt on the road to Calvary because he couldn't stand anymore. He couldn't carry that cross anymore and he had to get somebody else to carry it for him. He was the man in the arena but he did not stay down. He died. He was buried in a tomb but then he rose again and because he rose again you can rise out of your depression. You can rise out of your defeat. You can rise out of your despair. You can rise out of your situation because he died because he was buried and because he rose we can rise again and i wonder if that's you i wonder if we could just lift up our hands all across this sanctuary whether it's you right now or or it might be you sometime in the future but if you would just begin to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say oh god i i don't know if i've got it tonight I don't know if I've got what it takes. I'm down on my face. I'm down. I'm down to nothing. I, I don't really know if I have the strength to continue. I don't really know if I have the strength to go one more day. Can I challenge somebody to reach out to God because he dwells in the high and holy place with those who are humble, with those who are contrite, with those who are down on their face in the dirt to say you can live again. You can live again. You can live again in Jesus name I bind every depression I bind every anxiety and fear I bind every spirit of suicide that would say there's no hope and there's no help I rebuke that voice of the accuser of the brethren in the name of Jesus Christ and I release hope in this room I release victory in this room I release divine impartation in this room I release favor in this room in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus' name. 
That's it. Dare to hope again. Dare to dream again. Dare to pray again. Dare to reach again. Dare to preach again. Dare to reach. Dare, dare to do what God's called you to. Dare to live again. wonder if you'd make the place where you are a place of prayer and if you'd reach out to somebody else that's in your bubble with whoever's in your social 10 or steady 10 just just begin to pray one for another just begin to 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 intercede to to reach for God on behalf of your brother or your sister or your spouse or your child just begin to intercede for them there's a breakthrough for somebody who's been so depressed and so stressed and so broken and so anxious and it comes by by prayer and fasting and it comes by prayer and fasting that's it believe again believe that you can be free believe that you can be free Believe that you can be free. It's not the will of God for you to live in bondage. It's not the will of God for you to live defeated. It's not the will of God for you to live frustrated. It's not the will of God. He's got peace and joy and hope and strength and divine favor on the other side of that prayer, on the other side of that voice reaching out to God. That's it. Push through in prayer. Push through whatever you feel. We don't walk by feeling. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Push through. Push through that feeling of depression. Push through that feeling of fear. Push through. There's victory on the other side of that push. There's victory on the other side. You don't have to leave here the same way you came. You don't have to leave this place the same way you came. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, you don't want that ever, Ramon.
yes, Jesus. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I give you every concern. I give you every care. I give you every fear. I give you every doubt. I give you every bit of sadness, every, every bit of grief. Lord, every bit of loss, God, that I've experienced. Lord, I give it all to you. I give it all to you. I give it all to you. Yes, Jesus. I will live again. I will live again. I will live again. I will live again. sing I wonder if you could just make that place where you're at just for another couple of moments just let whatever you're feeling out as they're pray as they're singing why don't you pray why don't you pray why don't you pray